0: Hello, how are you? Uh, Good morning, uh, good evening, good afternoon, uh, good day. I hope this finds you in a very lovely state of mind and place, wherever that may be. I like to think about how and where and when you might listen to this podcast, Soundtracking, with me, Edith Bowman. Maybe you are off on a lovely stroll somewhere, either solo or maybe with a furry friend. Uh, Maybe you're commuting either to or from work on public transport or in the car. So wherever you are, hello and thank you very much for taking the time to listen to my podcast. It's called Soundtracking, if you're joining us for the first time. And I get to talk about film and music with all manner of wonderful and inspiring people. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. It's good to have you with us. And our latest guests on Soundtracking, I mean, they've got to be pinching themselves after the film they worked on together landed a staggering nine Oscar nominations, including Best Picture and Best Score. All Quiet on the Western Front was adapted and directed by Edward Berger and scored by a friend of the show, Volker Bertelmann. And the recognition they are receiving across the board is richly deserved. This is quite an extraordinary and physical experience of a film. I, I kind of couldn't speak after watching it, Uh, The story is over 100 years old. The book that it was based on was released 100 years ago and it's a story of war, the First World War, but it's a story of war that resonates today and I think that that's definitely where it's connected. If you haven't seen it yet, it's available on Netflix. Um, Watch it in its traditional German tone with subtitles um, and just be ready to be very moved And very, very entertained as well, because I think in terms of storytelling, it's pretty extraordinary. And performances, whoa! Well, we'll get into that with Edward and Volker. And Volker has done the most wonderful job with the music. And it's with one of his cues that we will begin Rain and Night. It's so great to have you on Soundtrack and thank you so much for for being here, Edward. And welcome back, Volker. We've had you on once before, so it's so great to welcome you back. And particularly just this film is just connecting with people on on such a such a huge level. You must feel, um, well, Volker, you were kind of saying you never know. You never know kind of whether it's going to connect or not. But this film really, really has. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, I think first, first of all, the, uh, I mean, what I mean by you never know is, uh, you know, sometimes you feel the strength of a movie, but there's not the right time or there's not the right uh, space for it. And you're hoping that it will receive the the reactions that you as well feel. But in this case, I have to say, um, it's also like over all the age groups. I mean, I see people like my daughters, they just Permanently send me messages from their friends, which are in the middle of their um, twenties, and they are not uh, asking for. Hey, uh, my dad made the music for that film. (laughs) Can you (laughs) you just go into it? It's just like spontaneous reactions from specifically also very young folks, and uh, you know, which I think is fantastic uh, that it has actually that wide uh, range of age that uh, is interested in it, and I think that also leads to a lot of discussions. And that leads to a lot of communication, uh, you know. And yeah, that means that the that the film is getting more more feedback. So I'm that's my my impression. What what happened?
0: What about for you, Edward?
2: I I can only agree. Yes, I get a lot of messages from my son also, who, who has it from his friends, and it just became, I guess, a topic of conversation in schools among grown-ups. It's a topic that doesn't get old, unfortunately it's a very famous book you know a lot of people have heard that book's title and think oh you know i've heard that somewhere even if they haven't read it and the, i think the book is also so successful because it describes the machinery of war which we you know could talk about also regarding to focus music or the sound yeah. of the movie but in a way that in a very laconic way not over-emotionalizing but leaving that up to the audience to to fill that or to the reader to fill that in with their you know to 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 supply that emotion and we try to translate that to film and and i think that probably also resonates with audiences that they feel they are responsibility for their own they feel they are responsible for their own emotions and can can sort of add them in themselves and are not guided too much by us, you know, and I think yeah. that, that, that uh, autonomy of the audience is important to them.
0: Before we get into music, I was just wanting to ask you about, you know, adapting adapting the book and how that journey was for you and, and if it was, you know, if you really kind of had a really clear idea of visually how you wanted to tell the story as you were working on the screenplay.
2: So I start forming uh, a feeling of the movie, uh, the visual sense of it while writing, it's really important to me to 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 know how to shoot it, and I shy away from scenes that I don't know how to shoot and and I can't write them. And you sort of have the feeling I start seeing the main character, and in this case, it's Paul, very much Paul Boehmer's movie, and we can't I couldn't write any scene that gets takes us out of his perspective. For example, I couldn't write a scene that goes with Cut, one of his colleagues, or one, any of his other comrades, because it wouldn't be Paul's story. And yeah. except from the negotiations of the armistice, for example, that is obviously the contrast to the trenches, the higher-ups, uh, that is to heighten almost the, the feeling of, that Paul Boehmer has to, to create a contrast. And, and so you start... Forming a relationship with a character and also a, a visual sense of the movie while writing, or at least I do. i couldn't i couldn't I couldn't do it otherwise. And then slowly, of course, the team comes in, and you do it with a cameraman. you do it with Volker in terms of developing the music, but a, a sense of it in your stomach that you can't express mm-hmm. that I can't express as well as Volker. You know, I can give him three sentences. I would like this kind of feeling. And then he can translate that. And it's the same with camera person, production designer and all that. They all bring their, their, their wonderful craft to that.
0: It's like the best recipe in the world, isn't it? Everybody bringing their own ingredients to it. Yeah. So what were the conversations? Because, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, that kind of almost the almost industrial nature of war. And it's that kind of machine almost. That was one of the things we were talking about. That kind of that, that first cue that you hear and then it kind of stops and we get the kind of you know the title of the film comes up and then as we as we get into the film this really powerful almost like three note kind of i don't know how you describe it but what were the conversations that you had when you were talking about you know how the music was set and what it needed how much it needed and and what the kind of musicality of it would be really so i
2: let i let volker describe most of it but i think we had a screening in berlin Maybe in October or so, which is like a few months after rap. And I had a pretty good cut of it, but it wasn't done yet. And we saw it in the cinema. And afterwards, or before, I mainly said, I think I said three things. As I said, I can't translate as well as he does, <laughs> uh, as he can. So I said, please make the soundtrack for this movie. Because I believe, uh, you know, I believe only you and I would love you to, to tap into that. I would love you to do it uh, to create something that I've never heard before, that is, and that the audience has never heard before and mm-hmm. that you've never done before, you know, something special. We really wanted to have something new because I know when I watch a movie and I suddenly hear the soundtrack that I'm, it immediately touches me completely differently. You know? Yeah. And so that was one, the, basically, the, the big, it's a big thought yeah yeah it's completely different please And then the other was, can you find a sound that expresses what is inside Paul's stomach? That is basically what everyone in the crew sort of like what was on that was on North Star camera, anybody, you know, like, let's express what is inside of Paul's stomach, that feeling that fear, that rage, that wish to die, that wish to kill that wish to survive, well, depending on the situation. and. The third was, what was the third, Volker?
1: This destruction and the snares. That were the, yeah. the two. D-
2: destroy the images, you know, let's destroy, let's not beautify it, let's not over-emotionalize, let's not sentimentalize, let's destroy it, yeah, and I think that's it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you take that um, that idea of going do something I've never heard before? Is that kind of a luxury, or is that terrifying, or is it both?
1: Definitely both. I mean, you don't <laughs> want to. If you feel like, uh, hey, do what you always do, then that's a little bit like, uh, you know. I mean, I know that I can do that, but uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, it's not challenging. And I'm. Yeah. I'm, I mean, my life is short in terms of experimenting. So <laughs> there's a lot of things that I want to try out. And um, and um I think the, of course, it's a, a, a pressure, but uh, I would say if I would be 10 years younger or even more than that, it would be maybe a lot of um, to digest if somebody says, hey, do something, because there are so many different thoughts that you have yeah. when yeah. you want to do something new. But I know a little bit, I know myself, in the sense where I have to put blockades in front of me so that I can't move over them Mm. and I just have to find a different path. And in a way, I think I learned that when I prepared the piano uh, because uh, in a way um, I was always used to play a piano, um, you know, without any objects in there. And, of course, it's very nice uh, as an instrument and you can play great music with it. But I always felt uh, that this is not enough for me. And so when I put blocks on certain strings, I have to change my habit. And that also makes my brain work differently. Suddenly I'm like, oh, uh, this! I, I'm always using the C. Where is it now? And it doesn't sound like C. It sounds suddenly like a drum mm-hmm. or like a snare. And so I have to find out how I work around that node to find a different solution. And that's a little bit um, how, not how it was working here, but I was, I had an idea of, you know, uh, when I came home from that screening, I had an idea that I want to use an instrument from that time, which I actually have here in, in the back. This is the wow. harmonium, harmonium of my <gasps> grand grandmother. Uh,
0: no. And, uh,
1: yes. <gasps> wow,
0: that, I, it's I, beautiful. that's the one. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's it. And it's just like the octave. Like it's this is just playing the the three notes, and then uh, I put that through a big amplifier, and um, you know, and some distortion, and that's it.
0: Weezy. yeah, yeah just, like, just like that, just like that. Yeah.
1: No, but but what is what is, of course, uh, and I think that's uh very interesting what Edward said because, first of all, when you receive a film where you have already so much thought put into it, like let's say you're not doing things that are not fitting, mm. like picture wise that is already something that is a big advantage for me because i don't have to um, create music on films where i suddenly have these jumps of like oh why is why do we jump <clears throat> now into the past or why do we do this now you know yeah and that can of course sometimes very nice but a, a lot of times it it's a little you know you have a lot of scenes where you have to find a solution that is not musically a solution that is much more like a technical solution to yeah let's say to to gap certain things and uh so in a way when you have a film like that and you watch it and you just sit in front of a, a harmonium uh you just know you, you play these three notes and you think oh maybe that's already uh enough for the film so when i when i sent it to edward of course i was a little bit nervous when a, a, an initial idea and i'm not saying that i'm afraid of changing things or you know if there's not an agreement I, I i'm working again and i think i work as hard as possible to get to find actually a common ground but in that sense in that case it was really the one the one idea that i sent to him and i was waiting for feedback and uh, the next day I, I really received an overwhelming feedback mm. and i was
2: very uh, i was very thrilled i said it sounded like that zeppelin and <laughs> I think it really does, and that is a huge compliment for me. You know, I yeah, think, oh, it's and especially in a movie like this, you know, what I like is that it doesn't sound historical. It yeah. is a historical instrument, but it doesn't sound historical and doesn't make the movie a period piece. You know, mm. you could easily do that with music. And mm. also, what I love about this instrument that you see in focus background is you put so many microphones into it while recording it right that you hear all the cracks and creaks of this instrument it's basically you pump with your knees or your feet right you pump air into it
1: yeah you have a you have to see the pedals there are the pedals down here and these pedals here are you know that you see underneath these are the pedals that I have on my knees so you have a lot of cracklings in the you know when when the wood is working
2: and again, that's sort yeah. of the be the machine of the music, yeah, and uh, and and I love that that the machinery of that sound uh, of that thing, and it's part yeah. of that yeah. cinematic theme, I guess.
1: and it's also i mean you know uh, over the years and i would say that all also goes back to the prepared piano in a way um i was always working on hmm. uh, recording instruments in a way that i'm i'm getting not only the tone um that i'm also um, at the same time because some performances you can only record once and uh, then they, they these are the best ones and you you have only the chance to get that one recording right and uh, the more microphones you have the more you can, uh, you know, you don't have to redo it. You just switch microphones on or off. You say, like, I want to have the, let's say for the string instrument, I want to have the bow, the hair of the bow very closely. And if you don't have a mic there, uh, it's it's gone. But if you record it from all sorts of different angles, and we used um, uh, like eight up to 10 microphones, like we had microphones inside of the harmonium, like behind the green here. uh, Yeah. There were some microphones that were just recording the air, you know, and you never know if that is enough. (laughs) But suddenly when all that is very present, you just need none, you don't need any other instrument because it sounds so uh, like you're inside of an instrument. And I love that.
2: Once or twice, in, when Paul dies and when the French soldier dies, we use that sound sort of as the last breath, you know, um, of, of these men. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... the
1: air is this one thing. I mean, the breathing and the mechanical uh, aspect of it. Uh, and I, I have to say, it was mainly the first passage of the film that also made me, uh, gave me a lot of courage because I had the feeling yeah. there was so, so much space. And a lot of things were told, but there was not much sentences, uh, you know, there were not many words that explained clearly what's going on. I mean, there was just this passage of cleaning the uniforms. Um And Absolutely. once that was, that was done, I mean, everybody knew what's what this film will be.
0: That's so funny because I I was just looking at my notes quickly, and one of the things that I wrote down is like no dialogue, but there is story and character development in such an intense way. Yeah, I mean from that first the imagery and the when you that scene when you're looking up through the trees at the start, and it's got such a it's got such a peaceful and beautiful kind of come in, you know, kind of to the film, and you're you're in immediately, you know, with these, with this with the characters and the story. And I do think that the way that you've been so so confident with the the space and the sound and this and the silence as well at moments as well because it's so important to have that it's not been overburdened with things with you know with with the sound of 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 war or or, or artillery or whatever that is or, or with the cue the there are these moments that that nature comes in that that just things exist and I, I was really interested about getting that balance right of how easy that is with the two of you in the conversation of how much you need in there how much how much additional is is required on top of you know what's already what you've already cut, Edward?
2: To me, it was very important from the beginning to create that contrast. In a way, the movie is totally about contrast anyway. In the story, you uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's, there's there's the um, there's the you know, the generals and the um, the the signing of the armistice that is in contrast to the people in the trenches. So that's a contrast. And that's suddenly much quieter. Mm. And there's darkness, there's brightness, there's loud, there's low, and, and nature and destruction. And these nature images, they were in the script also. And they were also in my first pitch when, I, when we sold this movie. I mm. thought I really want to create these pockets of quiet, these pockets yeah. of silence, and almost pockets of peace to heighten the war you know, to make the destruction even worse because you realize, oh, right next to it, or oh, just a minute ago, I saw these beautiful foxes or these beautiful yeah, um, beautiful trees and just nature and the silence of it. And it could be so easy, you know, and it's the place we want to get back. It's the opening image, the fox. And we want to get back to that, the mother with the cub and the mm. warmth of that and the family. And so I think that sort of takes us through the film, that feeling of... And we realize as we watch it, and that makes it hopefully then heartbreaking how we lose all of that. And how these young guys you lose all of that. So yeah, that was that was sort of in our minds from the beginning. Yeah. And to just also give that air and leave that silent and and just let the images do the work for themselves and give you give you rest. To be honest, because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> it's just it too much. You know, you just walk out and you just think like, oh god, I can't take it anymore. It's it's difficult as is already. So yeah. you need some breaks in between. I think.
0: Your cast are extraordinary in this as well. And Felix particularly is Paul. You know, you say this is his film. Where did you find him? And, and what was that process of finding him? I mean,
2: he's, he, he is uh, the producer's wife sent me a picture. It was the first picture I saw mm-hmm. of any actor on this role. She works in a theater in Vienna. And um, in the book theater, it's a very big, old theater, and he would just had left drama school and had just started there and was part of the ensemble there and had small roles, but no one really paid attention to him and she she said, this is a massive talent, you should look at him. And I immediately liked the picture because he has this old fashioned, beautiful, transparent face. He mm-hmm. doesn't look like the typical hero. I had some young guys in the casting that looked like Brad Pitt. You know that any American movie probably would have taken. Yeah, and I, and they were great. You know, but I thought like oh, they just look first of all too modern in a way. Yeah, and also too too fit, too heroic. You want someone for that for that role, it's especially for a German soldier. You know, it's, it's, he needed to look studious and frail and sort of being thrown into this. Environment that just doesn't fit. He's not a fighter. Yeah. And so he came and I put him through four or five castings, I think. Poor him, because obviously <laughs> he'd never done a cast, he'd never been in front of a camera. Yeah. So he came and he was wonderful. But I thought, oh, can he carry it? And is he really, is he really? I was suddenly afraid of my own idea of putting this a frail person in there. Yeah. And I thought, like, maybe I need someone who's more of a soldier. Yeah. And then my casting agent, who just passed away uh, two days ago.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
2: uh, And she has a a wonderful post more, how do you call it, like in memoriam nomination for the BAFTAs for her work. Oh, and she was a wonderful, like kind and understanding woman. And she said, You should put a uniform on him and Mm. you should put boots on him because just see when he wears boots he's gonna walk very differently you know he suddenly has a gait, and and you know like you wear uh, hiking boots compared to sneakers (laughs) you walk differently (laughs) (laughs) and so he came next time and this uniform fit him so great he immediately i think immediately was transported back to the time his face fits beautiful and the boots were exactly what she said it grounded him it gave him a a heaviness it kind of and he he took that from casting to casting. He was so receptive and so inha- started inhabiting, inhabiting that character that so that in the end, I re- there was really no choice anymore. It was just him.
0: Wow, that's like fairy tale story that you know in terms of yeah, that's just that's magical. How much of that performance inspired you, Volker? You know, in terms of it, it's really hard to describe because there's so much depth to it, so much that scene where he goes back with the uniform and goes, well, oh, I think this is someone else's hmm. even, you know, from that moment to kind of everything else that's asked of him that this film sort of thing, the, the journey of it's extraordinary. How much of, of Felix's performance inspired you when you went away to think about those three things that Edward had kind of asked of you? Well,
1: I mean, I mean, the performances, uh, I mean, Felix's performance, but also the other performances. Yeah. I mean, they, they are inspiring you in a, in a massive way because, I mean you don't have to do much you know you're not forced to to create an atmosphere that is in, in a way covering um you know the uh let's say the, the the acting or you know enhancing certain um feelings or whatever so that was definitely um, fantastic what I also like about it and that's uh, that was I would say that went from was for me much clearer now after that film specifically I really love when the the film is dealing with real life aspects. Somehow, mm-hmm. I mean, even though this is uh, like a, you know, a very sad topic in a way, but at the same time, it it feels real. And I, yeah. I at the mo in that moment when I feel that this there's a real aspect of my life touched. It's much easier for me to make music because I, I totally feel mm. what, uh, you know, how, how it was when I was, let's say, when I had to decide if I want to go to the army or if I want to join the civil service or, you know, when I saw the first um, people die when I was working at the hospital. Um, You know, the, the, it's actually things that are suddenly coming back to you and they are inspiring you when you make music. And you don't want to, you know, in real life, when you see something tragic, you don't want to take your piano out and play a very sobby melody on top of that. Like, yeah. you know, you just want to, in real life, you want to find something that is delicate, words that are fitting in the right time, at the right moment. You know, you want to find... Yeah. Uh, expressions that are helping uh, to get over certain situations or you want to find words that are pushing someone over a hurdle you -hmm. know i mean you want to be human in a way and i think that that helps uh, with a compositional process in a big way
0: Even like the snare as well. It's almost kind of like that thing of you know the drum that kind of it did so many things for me. It was almost kind of like oh you know that kind of sh- that fear thing of like hearing a noise and that, almost like you know I guess PTSD that that soldiers have when they ever hear a loud noise sort of thing or they hear a you know that one beat of thing or in that moment of you know that that idea of marching to war as well and that it's not a kind of um I don't know what the technical term is of um Tum like a tamtam yeah. You mean. Yeah, but it's just that kind of, you know, those that singular, singular beat or a couple of beats and stuff, just pulling it right back. It makes it even more, yeah, powerful.
2: It came from a PTSD that I have of my own drum playing when I was a teenager. <laughs> I, I used to be a drummer, and I was a terrible drummer with two left hands. I think really stiff. You know? like I was just not very good. <laughs> And so I, I, I always told Fokker I want, I, and it needs. I think it was the most complicated cue that we had because I had very something very specific in my mind. It's the simplest <laughs> one, but the most it took the longest yeah, because I wanted someone who 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 can't play the drums to play those drums. You know, like to, to sound like uh, 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 just crooked. And of course when you get musicians they all, they can't do that because they they're too good you know so i don't know it was very specific. is it you
0: playing then is it you playing you got he got you in to play then
2: <laughs> no i I, no. I think i was too bad
1: <laughs> no i think uh, i think it was also a question of um you know like the imagination of something that is broken or that doesn't work isn't always what you want in the end uh, when you record somebody who can't play the drums you hear it and you're like oh no uh, that's not what I want I want to have something that sounds more broken so in the end we um, that was a long process I mean finding the right drum sound and finding the right snare recording a lot of instruments where you think like oh that it's maybe like an iron snare with uh, Mm. like or you know like it has a different we we tried different um, bodies of snares like wooden snares uh, you know metal snares all that in the end, is it's a combination of layers of different snare drums, but also like a grand casa that has a lot of rubbish on the on the fur, and you know when you bang on it, like all the rubbish flies up and it mm. lands. So you have like this whatever chaos after you know one bang on this on the drums, and. Um, what is nice about I, I mean I love processes like that. Waking up in the morning and uh, <laughs> putting rubbish on a on a grand casa and just bang on it and and just you know just feel the, the accidents in a way. I love that a lot. Uh, right. I have to say that process was very long, and we had a, 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 we, a, in between we just uh, <laughs> were looking at each other and like I don't know if we get we get there, you know, because it was of course a little bit. Um, yeah the imagination is one thing but like creating that in a way that it's also a, a part of the score and elegant in a way at the same time it's distracting and it uh, it creates these weird disruptions in a way
0: there because it's brilliant <laughs> mm, yes yes I'm, uh,
1: I'm i'm very glad about that and honestly it's also a question of mix of the mix you know of everyone who is actually taking care afterwards i mean yeah just I, I sometimes I forget about that because of course I'm always asked questions about the composition and the, the three tone instrument and you know like what is it and I, I love to talk about that but in the end you can mess up a lot of things uh, when when they are coming to the mix table and you're you're feeling like you've done everything and then you know it's just buried under. Let's say big noises or something, but in this case, and I think that goes back to Edward's first explanation of how he's writing uh, scenes. When the things are in order and when they make sense, it's so much easier to place a sound in a certain place yeah. where there is where there is space. Mm. If um, if something is not really like shaped well it's transferring down the line into all the departments because you have to fix things and this is not really sitting right and the next thing is trying to oh yeah we have to get around it and then the mixing is very complicated so it translates into all the it drip trickles down
0: i think you could tell that i could talk to you for hours about this film i just um yeah thank you for the most um amazing experience and and huge congratulations so deserved for all the the recognition that you've you've had so far and i'm i think there's quite a lot more to come as well so i look forward to seeing you up on a podium with a couple of acceptance speeches, well quite a few in fact and um, thank you so much for your time it's great to chat to you about it nice thank to see you, you again volker thanks edward have a thank great you, day Liz. you too take bye care bye. bye-bye bye-bye From the score to All Quiet on the Western Front that's Night Fires. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Edward Berger and Volker Bertelmann. My well, huge thanks to Edward and Volker for taking the time to talk to us. As I said, you can watch All Quiet on the Western Front right now on Netflix and is definitely worth finding the time to do. Head to edithbowman.com to hear my previous conversation with Volker as well as all other episodes of the pod. There's only 350 to get through. Follow us on social channels. We are at Soundtracking UK and feel free to send us an email. We're info at Edith Bowman. In fact, I have one here from Natalie Snyder. She says, Edith and Soundtracking team. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful start to the new year. I was listening to Soundtracking whilst driving back from family yesterday. And as usual, I enjoyed the few seconds of the theme music that I hear at the start, at the end, sorry, of each episode. After years of listening to the show and wondering what this music is, I wanted to finally get in touch and ask. I've Googled it, but couldn't find anything. Is it original or taken from something? I really like it and love to listen to an extended version. I hope to hear from you. Wishing you great days and a happy new year ahead. Thanks for this lovely show. Always a joy to listen to. Best, Natalie. Natalie, thank you so much indeed and the honest truth is it's my husband Tom Smith who's in a band called Editors who had it kind of lying around to be honest so I asked him when we were launching the podcast have you got any nice little bit of kind of classical-ish music lying around that I could use and so he gifted us uh, what you hear a little bit of in the show so yeah very chuffed that it's very close to home and something that he's created and makes me feel lovely because he's part of the show as well so there we go thank you very much indeed for that Natalie next up I'm um, really excited because we've talked about his work on the show a lot not least with a composer that he's worked with a number of times clint mansell darren aronofsky is our next guest on the podcast talking about the whale which a bit like all quiet on the western front has been receiving some pretty impressive acclaim um on the awards circuit as well not least for brendan fraser's performance in this film uh, and it was really great to get the chance to talk to darren about the film about the performance about the music in the film as well Um, So I hope you will join us for the next episode with Mr. Darren Aronofsky. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.